Tainan Portillo presents Featuring the best horror stories of the 19th century Welcome to the Poe Show Podcast Narrated by Tainan Portillo Today's episode, Tamerlane, by Edgar Allan Poe. kind solace in a dying hour such father is not now my theme i will not madly deem that power of earth may shrive me of the sin unearthly pride hath reveled in i have no time to dote or dream you call it hope that fire of fire it is but agony of desire if i can hope God, I can. Its fount is holier, more divine. I would not call thee fool, old man, but such is not a gift of thine. Know thou the secret of a spirit bowed from its wild prime into shame. Oh, yearning heart, I did inherit thy withering portion with the fame. The searing glory which hath shone amid the jewels of my throne, halo of hell, and with a pain not hell shall make me fear again. Oh, craving heart, for the lost flowers and sunshine of my summer hours, the undying voice of that dead time, with its interminable chime, rings in the spirit of a spell. Upon thy emptiness, a knell. I have not always been as now. The fevered diadem on my brow I claimed and won usurpingly. Hath not the same fierce heirdom given Rome to the Caesar this to me? The heritage of a kingly mind and a proud spirit which hath striven triumphantly with humankind. On mountain soil I first drew life. The mists of the Tagli have shed nightly their dews upon my head, and, I believe, the winged strife and tumult of the headlong air have nestled in my very hair. So late from heaven that dew it fell, mid dreams of an unholy night, upon me with the touch of hell, while the red flashing of the light from clouds that hung like banners o'er appeared to my half-closing eye that pageantry of monarchy. And the deep trumpet thunder's roar came hurriedly upon me, telling of human battle where my voice, my own voice, silly child, was swelling. Oh, how my spirit would rejoice and leap within me at the cry, the battle cry of victory. (coughs) The rain came down upon my head unsheltered. 
and the heavy wind rendered me mad and deaf and blind. It was but man, I thought, who shed laurels upon me, and the rush, the torrent of the chilly air, gurgled within my ear the crush of empires. With the captive's prayer, the hum of suitors, and the tone of flattery round a sovereign's throne. My passions from that hapless hour usurped a tyranny which men have deemed, since I've reached power, my innate nature. Be it so. But, father, there lived one who, then, then in my boyhood, when their fire burned with a still intenser glow, for passion must with youth expire, e'en then, who knew this iron heart, in woman's weakness had a part. I have no words, alas, to tell the loveliness of loving well, nor would I now attempt to trace the more than beauty of a face whose lineaments upon my mind are shadows on the unstable wind. Thus I remember having dwelt some page of early lore upon with loitering eye, till I have felt the letters with their meaning melt to fantasies with none. Oh, she was worthy of all love. Love as in infancy was mine. T'was such as angel minds above might envy. Her young heart the shrine on which my every hope and thought were incensed. Then a goodly gift, for they were childish and upright, pure as her young example taught. Why did I leave it, and adrift trust to the fire within for light? We grew in age and love together, roaming the forest and the wild, my breast her shield in wintry weather, and when the friendly sunshine smiled, and she would mark the opening skies, I saw no heaven but in her eyes. Young love's first lesson is the heart, for mid that sunshine in those smiles, when from our little cares apart and laughing at her girlish wiles, I'd throw me on her throbbing breast and pour my spirit out in tears. There was no need to speak the rest, no need to quiet any fears of her who'd ask no reason why, but turned on me her quiet eye. Yet more than worthy of the love my spirit struggled with and strove, when on the mountain peak alone, ambition lent it a new tone. I had no being but in thee. The world and all it did contain in the earth, the air, the sea, its joy, its little lot of pain that was new pleasure, the ideal dim vanities of dreams by night, and dimmer nothings which were real. Shadows and a more shadowy light parted upon their misty wings, and so confusedly became thine image and a name, a name, two separate yet most intimate things. I was ambitious. Have you known the passion, father? Mm, you have not. A cottager, I marked a throne of half the world as all my own. 
and murmured at such a lowly lot, but just like any other dream upon the vapor of the dew my own had passed. Did not the beam of beauty which did while it throw the minute, the hour, the day oppress my mind with double loveliness? We walked together on the crown of a high mountain which looked down afar from its proud natural towers of rock and forest on the hills that twindled hills begirt with bowers and shouting with a thousand rills. I spoke to her of power and pride but mystically in such guise that she might deem it not beside the moment's converse. In her eyes I read, perhaps too carelessly, a mingled feeling with my own. The flush on her bright cheek to me seemed to become a queenly throne too well that I should let it be light in the wilderness alone. I wrapped myself in grandeur then and donned a visionary crown. Yet it was not that fantasy had thrown her mantle over me, but that among the rabble, men. Lion ambition is chained down and crouches to a keeper's hand. Not so in deserts where the grand, the wild, the terrible conspire with their own breath to fan his fire. <coughs> Look round thee now on Samarkand. Is not she queen of earth? Her pride above all cities? In her hand their destinies? In all beside of glory which the world hath known, stand she not nobly and alone? Falling, her veriest stepping stone shall form the pedestal of a throne. And who her sovereign? Timur, he whom the astonished people saw striding o'er empires haughtily, a diademed outlaw. Human love, thou spirit given on earth of all we hope in heaven, which fallst into the soul like rain upon the Sirach withered plain, and failing in thy power to bless, but leavest the heart a wilderness. Idea, which bindest life around with music of so strange a sound and beauty of so wild a birth, Farewell, for I have won the earth. When hope, the eagle that towered, could see no cliff beyond him in the sky, his pinions were bent droopingly, and homeward turned his softened eye. Twas sunset, when the sun will part, there comes a sullenness of heart to him who still would look upon the glory of the summer sun. That soul will hate the evening mist, so often lovely, and will list to the sound of the coming darkness known to those whose spirits hearken, as one who, in a dream of night, would fly but cannot from a danger nigh. What though the moon, the white moon, shed all the splendor of her noon, her smile is chilly, and her beam in that time of dreariness will seem so like you gather in your breath a portrait taken after death. And boyhood is a summer sun whose waning is the dreariest one, for all we live to know is known, and all we seek to keep hath flown. Let life then as the day flower fall with the noonday beauty 
which is all. I reached my home, my home no more, for all had flown who made it so. I passed from out its mossy door, and though my tread was soft and low, a voice came from the threshold stone of one whom I had earlier known. Oh, I defy the yell to show on beds of fire that burn below a humbler heart, a deeper woe. Father, I firmly do believe, I know, for death who comes for me from regions of the blessed afar, where there is nothing to deceive, hath left his iron gate ajar, and rays of truth you cannot see are flashing through eternity. I do believe that Eblis hath a snare in every human path. Else how, when in the holy grove I wandered of the idol, love, who daily sends his snowy wings with incense of burnt offerings from the most unpolluted things, whose pleasant bowers are yet so riven above with trelict rays from heaven, no mote may shun, no tiniest fly, the lightning of his eagle eye. How was it? That ambition crept unseen among the revels there, till growing bold he laughed and leapt in the tangles of love's very hair. Edgar Allan Poe was only 17 years old when he first wrote Tamerlane. It was published in 1827 in a collection called Tamerlane and Other Poems. This was the first of his works to ever be published, and for an unknown reason it was not credited to Edgar Allan Poe, instead he insisted it be credited by a Bostonian. There were only 50 copies printed in 1827, and the poem was over 400 lines long. For perspective, that's a poem that's 40 pages in length. However, it was then revised in 1829, this time with only a little over 200 lines. Poe was a devoted reader of poetry from Lord Byron, but he felt that Tamerlane was too similar to Lord Byron's work, when it was first published at least. So he revised it to begin to find his own poetic voice. It is theorized that what inspired this poem might have been the passing of one of three people in Poe's life. His early love, Sarah Elmiah Royster, his birth mother, Eliza Poe, or his foster mother, Frances Allen. Now, those names made me do some more research, and here's what I found. Edgar Allan Poe, his brother Henry, and sister Rosalie were born to a father and mother, both actors, named David and Elizabeth Poe. But his father abandoned his family very early, and Poe's mother died of tuberculosis. The children were then separated and raised by different families, Poe being raised by Francis and John Allen, who gave him their middle name. I just wanted to appreciate the history of where Edgar Allan Poe got his world-famous name from. This poem is based on a Turco-Mongol warrior and conqueror from the 14th century who has been historically known as Tamerlane or Timur. He is known for founding the Timurid Empire, which lasted from about 1370 till after the warlord's death in 1405 and finally falling in 1507. Poe has stated that although this poem is based upon an historical figure, he has, quote, taken the full liberty of a poet. 
So the poem of Tamerlane is not supposed to be taken as historical fact. I wanted the music for this episode to reflect Timur's adventurous and rebellious traits while keeping that forlorn mood. So starting with an organ to help signify death, horror, and a foreboding sense of the religious undertones that Timur is feeling on his deathbed sounded like it fit this story. I loved creating that part specifically with the organ and the hard rock guitar that felt really right. It just felt totally right for Timur and his story. Now, as the story begins, Timur is on his deathbed confessing to a priest, but he specifies he's not looking for sympathy and comfort before dying. Instead, he seems to be asking the priest for forgiveness, for pride, and to know why he would have abandoned love in pursuit of ambition. The biblical allegory that Poe makes is also quite prominent, with Timur saying he and his love lived in a forest paradise, young and innocent. Sounds a lot like Adam and Eve in the garden. But he goes on to say, I do believe Iblis hath a snare in every human path, else how, when in the holy grove, I wandered of the idol love. So again, we have the allegory of being in a holy grove filled with love, and Iblis is the leader of the devils in Islam, the chief evil genie, thereby solidifying the allegory Poe is making. Timur feels that leaving his love for ambition was a temptation and a sin, of which he asks forgiveness and understanding of the human desire for glory. He muses about his upbringing and his journey from squalor to royalty. To me, the language seems to imply he knew he was meant for greatness. Especially when he says, A cottager, I marked a throne of half the world as my own. He plays himself up to the priest, but then says as a boy who had none of this glory, he seemed happier with a young woman he fell in love with at the time. They lived in the forest, in the cold and the rain, just being with each other, protecting and providing for each other. He says, I saw no heaven but in her eyes. One of my favorite lines, absolutely beautiful. But probably my very favorite line was when talking about love, he asks, Why did I leave it? And adrift, trust to the fire within for light. I don't think I have ever read a more beautiful line of poetry yet in my life. Poe has plenty of characters who lose their loved ones due to some tragedy that they couldn't control. But Timur abandoned his lover, left her in exchange for glory in battle. However, the story does suggest that he talked with his love about the future, this future of fame, and he thought she wanted the same thing, even justified his ambition, and said, The flush on her bright cheek to me seemed to become a queenly throne, too well that I should let it be light in the wilderness alone. To me, that means he wanted to pursue his ambition to also give her more in the world, but he went off to war and battled for so long that he just forgot her. Even returning to his old home, he says all had flown who made it home, and the threshold stone had a voice, like an echo of what he once had. That seems to be the moment he realized what he sacrificed for ambition. And it's very poignant that Poe ends this story with a question of how ambition crept up on him and suddenly became entangled with love. By the end, the poem becomes the musings and regrets of an old man. So. What's the moral? Is it that it's virtuous to be poor as long as you have love? Well, in my opinion, 
The moral is, if you base your identity on something at the exclusion of love, it's not going to be a life that feels worth living. I want to provide for my wife and our family, and to do that, I need a successful career. I also want my wife to have a successful career as an actress and be able to perform because it makes her happy. But without love, you may be able to survive, but you won't live. You will only become a shell with a soul, holding questions about how you got there and why no one is around you to care. I I know this is Poe, but that's kind of a depressing way to end this episode. Love is important. That's all. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Poe Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it, share it, give the podcast a good rating, listen to other episodes as well, and invite more people you know to listen. I really appreciate your support and the fact that you are listening. If any of you are interested in behind-the-scenes content and want to support the podcast, the Poe Show Podcast Patreon is up and running, where you can get a look into the process I use to approach a text, make music, and more. I also give a shout-out to any patrons for joining the Patreon. Feel free to follow on Instagram at the Poe Show Podcast. And if any of you have questions about the podcast or even suggestions for the next episode, please email poshopod at gmail.com. P-O-E-S-H-O-W-P-O-D at gmail.com. And I'll address them at the end of the next episode. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Po Show Podcast. <laughs>